Rapids. We welcome you back with Sean Richland, Joe Davis. What are you looking for in this OT? Well, Minnesota has the energy from the third period. You'd think that they would come out in the first few minutes and try to put this game away because they have the momentum and the energy. If it goes more than five minutes in this overtime, then I think it goes into Yale's favor a little bit as they can uh, sit back uh, in the first five minutes and bounce back and then come back uh, aggressively after the first five. But Minnesota definitely has the edge right now. Playing in an overtime game, and especially on this scale, what's it like inside the minds of the goaltenders? Well, they know that they got to be sure. If, they, if they're going to have any opportunity to freeze a puck, freeze it. If they're going to have a chance to deflect the puck in the corner, they got to do it. Here's a chance, and it's score! Yale has done it! I think anyone who's listened to the sportscasters for any significant uh, period of time knows that this, what I'm about to unveil, is a passion project of mine. It's something I wanted to do for a long time. On April 13th, 2013, the Yale Bulldogs won the Division I NCAA Ice Hockey Championship with a 4-0 victory over Quinnipiac. And on April 13th, 2018, it'll be five years since that happened. And I just couldn't let... The five-year anniversary is such a historic moment in the lives of all the players on the team, the coaches, the staff, my family. I couldn't let that moment pass without doing something. And I had a brainstorm over the summer, last summer. I thought, maybe what I'll do is a nuts documentary project. I'll get all the players interviewed. I'll get Quinnipiac players. I'll get Rand Pecknold to teach me how to hunt pucks. How to create time and space. I will get Keith Elaine. I will get John Kerry. I mean, I had just this ambitious project in mind. And at some point, I snapped out of that and said, I don't have the time, the money, or the connections to get some of those guys. Although maybe most of them. And I had to go back to the drawing board. And I came up with a four-part series. And this is part one today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through each game of the national tournament that Yale played. And for each game, there will be an interview with two of the players from the team. So today is part one of this journey through the NCAA tournament. And in a minute, when I'm done introducing this and laying everything out, I'm going to bring Kenny Agostino and Jesse Root on to talk about the national quarterfinals that they played, uh, the regional semifinals, against Minnesota in Grand Rapids. Before we do that, this is kind of what the project is going to be. Again, I said it's going to be four parts. Today, part one, we're going to focus on Minnesota, but the 2013 Yale Bulldogs just didn't wake up in Grand Rapids one day in the national tournament. So Jesse, Kenny, and I are going to cover kind of the build-up to that, uh, a couple big wins around Thanksgiving, Jeff Malcolm's injury and a downslide and a resurgence, the disaster in Atlantic City, being on the bubble. We cover all of that. And then the guys and I break down the game. And uh, then at the end, I will set up part two, 
which is going to be the North Dakota game. Now, along the way, there's going to be some other surprises. Well, that's maybe a bad thing to call them because I'm going to tell you some of them. Uh, Part two won't just be the guys. Uh, We're also going to have an interview uh, with Chip from the New Haven uh, Register. Uh, He'll join us for part two, and, and, and some of that interview might be spread out through parts three and four as well. Uh, we also have some other guys that we will get in contact with that aren't necessarily players. And then part four will end uh, the only way it can end, hopefully. Uh, so with all that said, in a second, we're just going to get into this. Jesse, Kenny, and I talked today and had a really good time doing this. And then later in the week, Anthony Day and Josh Balsh, uh will be on part two for the North Dakota game. Uh, Josh got the tying goal. Anthony had two assists. And Josh scored some big goals in this season, which we're going to have to talk about with him, uh, including a goal against Colgate that if it doesn't happen, Yale might not even make this tournament. So I just had to do this. I had to do something. I felt like I had to do something. It's a five-year anniversary. It's one of the greatest moments in my family's life. I know my brother's life. I know anyone who's listened to this show over the years is uh, is is knows that I'm putting a lot into this, a lot of work, and I have to thank some people. First of all, I have to thank Anthony, who's uh, worked really hard to help me get names and numbers and, and set these interviews up. I also want to thank uh, Chip for helping me out with this. His book, Hockey Haven: How Yale and Quinnipiac Made It to the Top of the College Game, uh, is something you should pick up if you do have the time. Uh, and we're just going to go through this tournament. And I'll tell you what, Kenny and Jesse really recalled some some unbelievable stories. So I know this is something that anyone who likes college hockey or is a fan of Yale hockey or is a fan of this podcast, I think you're going to enjoy what happens here today. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back with Jesse Root and Kenny Agostino. We're going to talk about the Yale hockey regular season, and then we are going to break down uh, their game against Minnesota in the Western Regional, the 2013 NCAA Championship Tournament. And then after that, I'll be back, and I'll kind of reset and get us ready for part two. But I'm bursting here. I'm excited. I can't wait. So I'm going to take a break. And uh, like I said, we'll be back with Jesse Root and Kenny Agostino. <laughs> All right, our first guests today are from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Flanders, New Jersey, respectively. And they are two members of the 2013 Yale National Championship hockey team. And in a second, we are going to break down their victory over Minnesota. I'd like to make a warm sportscaster's welcome to Jesse Root and Kenny Agostino. Kenny, what's up, bud? Absolute pleasure, buddy. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to have you. I feel bad I didn't get to see you in Rochester. Kenny was in Rochester a couple of weeks ago. I missed him. I felt bad, but it's yeah, good to yeah. have him. Yeah, I would have loved if you were able to come down too. Uh, Jesse, you uh, Jesse Roots here too. Jesse, what's up, bud? How you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me. You guys sound relatively close to the same, so I'm going to have to try to say your names as much as possible so people know who the hell's talking. Uh, 
we're going to start the story with you guys. And I mean, you didn't just wake up one day in Grand Rapids. So we got to go back a little bit. And it's interesting because we'll talk about the bubble in a second, but let's let's start let's start with the trip to Denver. So that's Thanksgiving, right? We start you guys go to go to Denver or Colorado for Thanksgiving. You play Denver, you play Colorado College and you win both of those games in overtime. Do you think that that is a time and either of you guys can take this or both, but do you think that is a time where everyone looks around and says we can beat anyone in the country, or did you already feel that way? Like, what what did you get out of that trip specifically, if anything? Yeah, maybe I'll start. You want to start um, yeah, sure. Um, so I think, I mean, really from our freshman year, I, just speaking for our class, um, we came in and we had a really good team. We had 27 Rockwell, wins. Brian O'Neill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were ranked number one in the country. Um, so right away we kind of knew that, you know, this program was here. We have what it takes to win. Uh, we ended up losing to the eventual national champions, uh, in Minnesota Duluth. And so we, we kind of had that feeling right from the start. And Andrew Miller in the class of 2013, Jeff Malcolm, uh, Colin Duick, Josh Balch, all those guys, they were, they were a part of it too. And so we kind of had, you know, that feeling that we knew we could beat anybody, but that weekend specifically, I think it really solidified it for that team um, because we spent, we spent Thanksgiving out there. Like you said, we ate Thanksgiving dinner as a team. Um, we skated on an outdoor rink as a team and really bonded. And then to be two teams, I believe were ranked at the time, if not ranked highly. Um, and to go in there away on two big ice sheets too, um, and in the altitude and come together and beat two really good teams in overtime. I think that that really showed us that we had what it takes. And that was huge for us in the pairwise rankings, which uh, right. eventually uh, we needed to get into the tournament. Right. It's interesting, too, because the, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Josh Balch's goal against Colgate in a second, but he gets an overtime uh, winner out there. Who got the overtime winner in the Denver game? Balch was Colorado College, right? Am I going to mix this up? Uh, I did. You did. That's right. Yeah, I go did. What do you do? You remember yeah, anything about that goal? In the student, the students. <laughs> gave, gave the old Yager salute. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. So I remember he slammed the glass yeah. right in the student section, and and we were going nuts. Yeah, and then yeah, that was unbelievable. You guys come home from Christmas for Christmas. You guys play BC. You tie there, right? You get a tie in BC. Should have won. Definitely should have won. Yeah, tie in BC, and then a little bit after that, Malcolm gets hurt. And um, by this point, I mean, he had clearly established himself as the guy. And he gets hurt, and you guys lose five games in a row. I'll tell you in a second what Anthony was like during those five games. But what 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 was your – like, what was the mindset for you two guys? Malcolm's hurt, and you can't beat anyone. You, you know, you, like, you play Quinnipack, you're up 2 nothing, and suddenly you lose that game 6-2. to two. You know, nothing against Connor Wilson and uh, uh, Marichich or, you know, I don't want to speak bad of, of them. They just weren't – they were thrown into a situation, you know, that I don't think that they were maybe prepared for uh, because it was kind of Mal- – I think they were watching Malcolm sort of just, okay, they're running with this guy, you know, and then they're put into that situation. But how did you guys feel after the five games and kind of where were your heads at before you guys make another run and then another 
it's like up. It's a little bit of up and down here. So let's start with the first down and the Malcolm injury. Um, well, I think, it, well, like you said, like <laughs> that was a tough skid there. And when Malcolm goes down, Ruder can attest for this too. You know, he established himself as, as our guy, and I think, like, when when you have your goalie, there's just you play with someone. I, I think as a team, you just play with more confidence, knowing when you have your guy in that. And uh, just like how good he was that year, um, so like, yeah, I mean, we we're kind of going off the skids there a little when we went on five, um, and that led us to uh, the B dubs when we were just watching again. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to B dubs, yeah. and yeah, and uh, oh, I would just say for that stretch, I think we played we were playing really good hockey going into Christmas. Um, and we kind of don't want to say peace, but we were, we were playing really well. Um, and then we had a, then we had a break. We obviously had the Christmas break and then for the Ivy league teams, that Christmas break was a little longer due to finals. So we didn't play for probably three weeks. Um, and then we came back and then Malcolm got hurt. Uh, if I remember, so, you know, we, we, I don't think we played all that well in that, in that, those first couple games back, but Malcolm stood on his head. And so we weren't we weren't playing great. Um, and then when Malx went down, it was kind of another blow to us. Um, but I really think that, that that interim period where we lost five in a row, you know, we obviously weren't playing playing great in front of our goalies. But, you know, I think that was – you kind of needed that um, to relight the engines because we knew we could do it. You know, we knew we had a great team because of the start that we had and because of what we talked about out in Colorado. But – uh, you know, I think you need that adversity to really test you to really see, you know, how bad you guys want it. Are you just going to fold the tent and go home or are you going to, you know, push through it? And I think that's, again, where Keith Elaine and the coaching staff did a great job in pushing, pushing us every day to say, you know, we're not, we're not performing to our potential. It's not our goalies. You know, you can, we can still win games. We got to get through it. Uh, and that really propelled us that once Malcolm came back, we were, we were in a we were in a great place. Right, Malcolm comes back, and you guys actually win five in a row. Then you guys smoke St. Lawrence in a home playoff series. I mean, St. Lawrence, you blew you blew those guys up pretty much off the off the rink. I thought. I mean, neither of those games seemed close at all. It didn't seem like they touched the puck very much in either game. No sweat. Get through that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah. No, I I think. I mean, I just remember from that from that series, everything was clicking. I mean, our power play, you know, and that's what you need in playoff hockey. We needed our power play. We had a ton of skill on it. We had two really strong power plays. Uh, and our penalty kill was clicking. We had a great system um, for the penalty kill. And, and special teams, you know, really gave us the confidence and, and propelled us forward. But I think, you know, we, we were just really deep that year, too. I mean, we had four four lines. I think we we have nine freshmen that year that, that all contributed. And, you know, when you can put every line out there shift after shift, uh, that makes a huge difference. And I know me, Kenny and Andrew, I felt like that's the time where, I mean, we had been clicking all year, but, and Ken can talk more about this, but, you know, I feel like that series, we, that's when we really gelled and we knew that we could, you know, score a will uh, every time we stepped on the ice. Right. I mean, those games were six to one. And three to nothing. I mean, those were, you know, and, and, you know, the first, like you said, you guys have a hot, this is the six to one game. Andrew has two goals, two assists, plus four. Kenny, you have one goal, two assists, plus four. And Jesse, you have one goal, two assists, plus four. So 
the the line had arrived, so to speak, right? I mean, that's uh, as come as much of a coming out party as anything in a playoff game. To, to right, do that. I mean, it's, it's a cliche to to say. That, I mean, I feel like all championship teams say this, but I mean, we really got hot, at, you know, at the right time, right? I mean, we were playing our best hockey down the stretch, which is what you have to do. Right, and then Jesse got a yeah, goal in the I, second I, game. You got a goal in the second game, Jesse. But also, like you guys said, with the depth, Lagunier gets a goal. You know, Fallon hits a goal. You know, plenty of guys are getting points. Stu Wilson, one of the freshmen you mentioned, he has two points in that game. So that those two games, I mean, you guys have won five games in a row now at this point, and everything is going right. Right. And then you get to Atlantic City. <laughs> And then we get to AC, yeah. And then uh, that, you know, that they, they took out that, that uh, third place game after our year, didn't we? Because I don't. Yeah. Yes, they did take it out. Picked us out of the tournament. Yep. What they, a dumb game! Yeah. So dumb. <laughs> well, for, let's kind of shelve the second game first. Like, so five nothing Union beats you guys. I should know. I don't think Union really Union did not need to win that tournament to make the NCAs. I think going into that tournament. It was pretty much a lock that Union, Yale, and Quinnipiac were going to be in the tournament. Pretty much a lock. Pretty much. And uh, Right. Right. So do you go into a tournament like that? Now, you guys won it as freshmen, right? Uh, with that, yeah. yeah, you guys won it as freshmen, and which was nice. It got you a, a chance to play in Bridgeport, but didn't really help you in the national tournament. Like, when you go into those tournaments... Do you really give a shit about winning the ECAC? Like, does that really matter to you? Like, do you get do, did you get caught slipping a little bit with your eyes on something bigger than the ECAC? No, I, so. I mean, I, I think. Would... Go ahead, Angle. I was just gonna say I, I don't think so. I think I think whenever you have a chance to win a championship, I mean, it wasn't a national championship, but it's our league championship. I think you know that's all the motivation you need. Uh, I don't think at all that we were we were looking past that at all. They just kicked no, your I ass. I would say that the East. <laughs> yeah, they were a good team. Right. Yeah, they were very they good. Were very, they were yeah. a very good team. Yeah. Um, and I think I. You have to correct me if I'm wrong, but we they played us really well throughout the season too. The two times we played them, we might have two two tie them or... two two tie at at Yale. I was at that game. Okay. And let me see the game in Union. Oh, I skipped the game in Union, thinking it was the game four two loss. So yeah, you had. Lost yeah. and tied them during the year. Yeah, so I they, think were, they were they were really good team, and then they always played us yeah. well. Yeah, well, and they and they won the national championship the year after. right? Yeah, the next year. Yep. Right. So, they were, yeah, they were so so they were they were they were you know they were no slouch. Um, and and keep in mind the ECAC was a really good league. We maybe we the best year ever. Who, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. Though that that stretch the ECAC was you know, the best league in college hockey. And, you know, I think the score was probably not a complete indication of the game. But, you know, when you have a chance to win a championship in the best league in college hockey, you know, you take that and and you do everything you can to win that game, regardless of if you get in the national tournament or not, which it looked like we were going to. But um, we definitely wanted to win there. Um, I think, you know, just we didn't play our best, a couple unfortunate bounces, and... um and you get that result, but it, yeah, fortunately we we stayed alive uh, for the national tournament. Yeah, so you lose to Quinnipiac the next day, as Kenny said, stupid game. They took it out. Thank God. I think there's only one conference that still plays one. 
I'm not sure why, uh, but there is one left. And so I'll, I'll tell you, I remember. So I was going like I had surgery in March, and so this whole time I'm either in the hospital or recovering or going to appointments or whatever. And I remember this one appointment right before Atlantic City when everyone was getting ready to go. I didn't go. I was still on the mend. And I remember just saying, like, it really doesn't matter what happens this weekend. There's only, like, about three out of a million possibilities, there's about, you know, 60 that would keep them out. You know, and, and it, it got all the way to the one possibility of Michigan winning the game against Notre Dame and Michigan. Notre Dame. Yeah, what did I say? I didn't say Notre Dame. I was thinking Notre Dame. No, you said Notre Dame. No, you said Notre Dame. Okay. So Michigan and Notre Dame is playing. Michigan's got like a 22-year streak going to the national tournament to keep up. Alex Guptill is playing like he's going to, as soon as the season's over, be the next Sidney Crosby in the NHL. And then you guys are all huddled around Wild Wings. So this is what I want to know about that. So, like, what do you know about these teams? What do you think about your chances? And, like, what is that like? Like, can you even put into perspective the idea of sitting there saying, like, with it just being – because athletes like you guys, top-level athletes, you like to be able to control things, right? I mean, it's completely out of your hands. You're eating boneless wings while your fate is – so there's a lot there to unpack. So you guys can take turns and – and think about those few things. I really, I'm really interested. Like, what do you know about these teams? Like, do you think, oh yeah, like I like, I like being on the Notre Dame side of this, or you like, oh fuck, Michigan is gonna get this game. We need a miracle. Like, where do you stand, or do you not know, or, or what? What's kind of the mindset in terms of the actual game? Jesse, you take it. Um, sure, sure. Um, so I didn't know anything about either team really we didn't we didn't play either team hadn't really been following and then when you get into a championship game of league series um you know prior records get thrown out the window um so i didn't know i mean you just go in and you hope for the best i mean i think getting back to your prior question about the ecac tournament i think that's why you want to do well in that tournament is that you don't have to rely on luck or rely on other teams to make sure you get in so i mean i think you know, that was another thing that we forgot to mention before, but, you know, that's a big part of it. But the only connection I had to that game was my goalie from my high school at Taft was the starting goalie for, um, was, was the starting goalie for Michigan. And he's actually a Buffalo kid, Steve Racine. Yep. And played with so Anthony growing was, up. Yeah. 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 So I was, I was rooting against him basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> to to lose, right? It, Michigan needed to lose, right? Yes. Or do I have it back? Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So you know, I I felt felt bad. <laughs> you know, if, if he if he lost, Michigan's obviously out of it, and and we're in. Um, but that's what we needed to have happen, and you know, fortunately, it did. So we were watching it at Wild Wings, and you know, having, having a couple boneless wings and Bud Lights and watching the, watching the game on, on pins and needles waiting for, uh, waiting for it to end. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember it was a pretty helpless feeling. Uh, just, you know, the, the, the fate of your season, just, you know, not in your hands at all. It's a, it was a pretty helpless feeling. I kind of have a crazy. At the same time, though, it was kind 
at the same time, though, I'll just say it was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was kind of fun. You know, obviously, you don't want to be in that situation. You never want to be in that situation. But looking back on it now, with the benefit of hindsight, it was kind of fun to be there um, with all the guys and like hanging on every <laughs> every play because if it goes <laughs> your way, you know, you're you're in the national championship or you're in the national tournament, which you thought you would be all along. Um, but if it doesn't go your way, you're like, holy, you know, we've we played our last game together, so it was. It, it it was fun in the sense that, you know, it worked out the right way. Um, but, it, you know, it was just fun to be be there with the reaction with the guys, like, afterwards, once the game was over and once we knew that we were in. Like, holy shit, all right, now time to bear down. Like, we got in. And, uh, it was a relief, but it was also fun, like, celebrating. I just remember being in that room at B-dubs, you know, beer flying everywhere and wings going everywhere, <laughs> guys jumping up and down. I actually have a picture of it, of yeah. the room, of everyone sitting there. I actually have a story about that about that day too because like I told you I got like I had had surgery not that long before this and every day I actually had to have a nurse come to address the uh, the wound so she came with like I don't know nine minutes left in the third period of that game so I had a, I went into my bedroom and shut the door and I remember when we were done I knew the game would be over probably and it, i was just like okay i remember I, like i was telling her like explaining it to her but try good luck trying to explain pairwise to a nurse you know what i mean? like just you know <laughs> so i'm like all right i guess i have to open the door you know uh, you know it's like that feeling of like i'm gonna find out right now and then when i opened the door i could see down the hallway and i could see the michigan goalie or the uh, notre dame goalie with the trophy so i was like oh thank god and then two years later, when Yale was on the bubble again, I know you guys are both gone by this time, I was like the pairwise command center. I was getting 30 texts of every time a goal went in the net from Hayden and Anthony and Weberg and just like half the team. I was the pairwise command center. So that, And that year, I mean, you guys almost, you guys almost lost a 90%er. That year, they cashed a 3%er. I mean, they were literally three percent to make the tournament after they lost Harvard. So, so the pairwise goes, I suppose. Wow. You know, an interesting thing about the pairwise and and that season, if Josh Balsh doesn't score that overtime goal when the puck hits the stick behind the net at Ingles, the Union goal, right? I think it was against Colgate. Colgate, yeah. Oh, Colgate, right? Colgate, yeah. He scores an overtime goal with about a second left. I remember Anthony told me that coach had already spit his gum out, pissed off about not winning the game. And that's how late the goal was. And it's Probably all be- a board kick, too. Yeah, it's all because the puck, <laughs> the puck went around and hit a broken stick and bounced out to him. Probably if you don't win that game, you probably don't make the tournament. That's how close like, it was. Crazy, how crazy is that? Like, what are the chances of that stick being right there? And, and the puck and, hitting it like it's just incredible. And we're cherry picking a little bit because we could probably say, oh, if they don't win this one or they don't win that one, right? So we're cherry picking a little bit, but I mean that game was so late in the year, you know, and it's just kind of right. It's such a huge break in a game for that to happen. But yeah, all right. And Balchi was Balchi was probably the most clutch player of the year <laughs> that year. I think all of his goals were either game huge. tying goals yeah, or huge. game winning goals. All he scored, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ridiculous amount of game winners. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every goal he scored was like 
so huge. <laughs> it's funny. I, it, and Josh will be on the next one uh, for to talk about another one of his huge goals on the season. Uh, but uh, all right, so so later that day, just a couple hours later, is the the selection show. So we, you know, you're in, but you don't know where. Got to figure you're probably going to have to go west. Quinnipiac has a party, literally had a party with the SPN there, uh, and you guys. Chip uh, Chip Malafonte describes it in his book, watch privately. Did you actually get together privately as a team to watch this thing, or did you just go upon your separate ways after Wild Wings and find out, okay, we're in the West and we play Minnesota on Thursday or whatever? I don't remember. Did, did, did we have a meeting at the rink? I, I don't remember either, actually. Yeah, my my guess. I think I think, I think we had practice. Were picking us, I think we're picking us in the lounge, watching it, like on the projection. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we had practice because it would have been a Sunday, and right. we had practice and maybe watched it after. But I think the result already came out. It wasn't. I mean, we definitely didn't make a big deal out of it. I remember we made a big deal out of it my freshman year or our freshman year because we wanted to see if we were the first overall seed. So I remember everybody huddling around, and then we found out we were the first overall seed, and that was cool. But obviously, it didn't end right. up uh, meaning all that much in the end. All right. So the main. So we, with all that said, right? We call it. We like we plan to talk about the minutes. With all that said, so with all that, with the wins in in Denver over Thanksgiving, the Malcolm injury, the forgettable weekend in Atlantic City, the Notre Dame victory, you find yourself in the West against Minnesota, who's the number two seed, Quinnipiac, and their party. What, they got to be the number one overall seed in the tournament. So Minnesota is two. It's in Grand Rapids. Pretty decent spot for them. A little bit of a travel for you guys, obviously. Um, and when you find out you're playing Minnesota, I mean, what is that? I mean, if I had Tommy Fallon on, I'm sure it would mean something to him. But does it mean anything to you guys other than, okay, we're playing Minnesota? Uh, yeah, I don't... I mean, pretty cool to, to play, you know, I don't know, when I when I think of college hockey growing up, I think, you know, I think of like, you know, BC, Minnesota, North Dakota. So other than it being pretty cool to to to, to say we, we drew Minnesota first game, which is a pretty iconic college hockey school. Uh, other than that, I think, it was just, you know, this is our first game. Tell me about getting ready. Yeah. You want to you add to that, Jesse? Go ahead, if you want. No, I, I think I think Ken said it well. The only thing I guess I would add is that we had done well against WCHA teams, the old WCHA, pretty much since we got to Yale. I think our games just matched up well against that conference. Um, so you know, I think we were we were excited about it, and we weren't kind of afraid of the name that just because they were Minnesota, you know, this iconic hockey school, we were gonna lay down. What so I thought you know it, it was cool. What goes into getting ready to go play in the national tournament? Like obviously you guys have practice and shit. I don't mean that, but like what are the logistics of it? Like what's different about your life as student athletes because you are about to go to the national tournament? Like what are the logistics involved? Like do you have this meeting where they tell you to be at this plane to go here? Like what? How how do you get ready to go? Like, is there anything interesting there? Or should uh, we just blow by that? I mean, no. I mean, I think one of the great parts about the program and what, what Keith does so well 
is that you we approached every game, whether it was an exhibition game against the Russian Red Stars or a national tournament game against Minnesota, every game was the same. There was no there was no change in preparation. Um, there was there was no change of the routine. I mean, the only difference was the location of where you played. Um, and so we, you know, we just, we flew out like it was any other day. I think, you know, the only difference is that we left on a Wednesday right, and practiced gave- at Grand Rapids and practiced in Grand Rapids on Thursday and played on Friday afternoon. And I was going to ask you, do yeah, were either of you guys bothered by being an early game? Like either of you routine guys that weren't happy you had to play at two o'clock or I think it was two o'clock. Uh, the ticket of boss, the, the, the boss at nine thirty. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Steve. I was extremely bothered by it. <laughs> yeah, we were we, we were shoving pasta with chicken down our face at, at nine thirty. And yeah, and, you know, talk, talk about routine. Yeah, and because I mean, and the funny thing is, they had like eggs and pancakes and bacon, and the whole team was eating <laughs> chicken and pasta because that's just that's just what we did. Um, but looking back, like that's one of the, the one of the best moments because we're all looking around like struggling to eat this pasta, and grinding. It's nine thirty, and, and we're yelling, we're, we're laughing at each other that the grind's starting already, and we love it because <laughs> we're this grindy team that. <laughs> <laughs> on it, so we love the grind. I, I love the grind. Embrace the grind. And as much as it sucked, it, it's it's hilarious now. Announcers announcers love to talk about how in big games like this, teams are feeling each other out. You know, they love that. They love that point. Like, oh, there's a lot of feeling out going on. You know, team, they're chipping. They're being safe. They're seeing what's over on the other side. There's a scoreless first period. And I know for a fact, besides me messaging them, complaining that they were calling Anthony Andrew, I know for a fact that during the intermission, they made the point, oh, these two teams are feeling each other out. Did you feel like it was that kind of a period, or is that just like a hockey cliche that analysts just love to say? I think that's that's kind of true. I think, you know, especially in the tournament, I think that first period is definitely kind of a feel out. I think at every game, kind of the first period of a game is always kind of like a feel-out period. Um, I mean, I, I remember, you know, it's easy to say now that we won, but I, I just felt like, like Ruder said, you know, we matched up against those WNHL teams all year really well. Um, <laughs> That's almost the name and, of that. Uh, That's almost the correct name. <laughs> we would call them because they, you know, they were kind of considered like the skilled, really skilled league, you know, a lot of high high draft picks and whatnot. Um but um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> You're doing great, Ken. Yeah, You're no, doing I, great. I, <laughs> no, you nailed it, Ken. Uh, Where was the I going? Only, oh yeah, I, back to the thing was I, I, we we I don't know we we played such a hard game. We were obviously skilled, but I think I thought we we played such a hard game, and, and I just felt early on in that game that we were the harder team. Right. I mean, the first period you guys outshot them eleven to seven, and for the game, I mean, shot attempts. They actually had a lot more, except for their total on that was only twenty-eight. They had almost three to, not quite three to one, two to one. Let's just say two to one shot attempts, but only two more shots. You guys did a great job of blocking shots. I think they had like eleven or twelve wide shots too. But you guys did a great job of blocking shots. And Helgeson got David a couple times in the throat that game. <laughs> yeah, when I talked to him after yeah. the game, I said, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm icing everything." So that was his. <laughs> 
just yeah. remember one clapper, like he dropped like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> he got him like pretty high, and like he got back up, and he probably bought another one the next trip. Jesse, you were gonna say something? Yeah, I Ken, didn't you get traded that day? Wasn't that the day of the trade? Yes. Uh, yeah, that was. I think like the night before or something. Yeah, I remember waking up that morning. <laughs> no, no, I, I remember that. I wanted. <laughs> I wanted to go back to that too because it's it's a pretty great story, right? Because um, Ken, Ken and I were roommates on the road, and I don't know if you were going to get to this. You probably probably were, but since since we'll we'll jump right into it. But uh, I remember it was like six in the morning, and Ken was like bouncing around in his bed, and like like turning over covers everywhere. And he's not, not a subtle person and he's, to begin with. And he was extremely loud that morning. And I'm like, Jesus, Ken, what's going on? <laughs> and it's 6.15 and he turns on NHL network and he's on the, he's on the TV saying that he just got traded for Jerome McGinley and like this, this four player deal or whatever. And uh, so he had, he had that going into the day that he just got traded from Pittsburgh to, Calgary, and that was that was the way to, that we started our day before we went and ate chicken and pasta for Jerome Ginla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he went he went to Pittsburgh, so it's not that bad, you know. <laughs> I just I I just think it's crazy. I mean, you, if Cal- Calgary's going to get around one day to ranking their all time players, and he's going to be one or two, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, you win. and then someone from St. Cloud was there was in the trade as well, right? So two of the players in the trade are eventually at at the uh tournament in the frozen four, yeah. yeah in the frozen four. Uh can you score the first goal of the game? It's one of my favorite goals. Turnover top of your zone, maybe neutral zone. O'Gara makes a play, steps up, makes a turnover, and passes it to Miller, who does a great job and the announcer even points it out of kind of slowing up just enough for you to get into that high slot position and he gives you the pass and you just kind of snap a beautiful snapshot in you score and then you go into the net too. Uh, take us through the goal, how you remember it um, to make yeah, it one. Yeah, like you said, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, Andrew, as you know, I mean, is just such an unbelievable hockey player and so smart. It, I still, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to play him every year in pro and, and they're very, you know, there aren't a lot of players that, that can dictate the pace the way he can. And like you said, just the way he slowed up, drew that D towards him. And with what will go on, it might go unsaid, uh, was the net drive by Ruder. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, it wasn't going like, to go unsaid. I, like I was going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, and that's just, you know, you know what, what makes Jesse such a great player was just all the little things he, he does. He did so well. Um, and that's something that that creates all that space for me. You know, I don't, I don't, I can't walk down the slot uh, if Ruder doesn't drive the net and, and and push that D off me. So how to feel um, good snapping that, that off though, right? I mean, you got you got it. That that had it. That came off really good. Like you you got you got that yeah, one good. That, yeah, yeah. It must it must have been a fresh stick. Um, <laughs> uh, that that good pop. No, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I said, it was just great, great play by both Andrew and Ruder. Uh, what a, I mean, unbelievable pass, great net drive, and yeah, I uh, was able to put in a good spot. And then 
the second goal. Well, do you have anything to add about that goal, Brute? You remember anything about it? I know he kind of stepped on your thunder there. Well, you wanted to talk gonna, about your beautiful yeah. net drive there, but well, I, I was no, I wasn't going to talk about it, Steve. I was just a little upset that you didn't mention it because <laughs> it sounds like you you you, you watch the play and you're. And you, you know, Steve, you know the and you didn't see that all five guys on the ice sucked to me and left Ken wide open. <laughs> that was that was very rude of me. That was rude of me. I should have brought that up right away. Well, well, go 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 back and watch the play, and then and maybe you'll see it this time. But no, that was an elite. That was an elite. That was an elite shot. Uh, not many guys put that away. He didn't have much room, and. It doesn't matter who's driving the net. It could have been anybody. Ken, Ken was going to put that away. Jesse, you mentioned about how important you thought special teams were for your team, how good you thought the power play and public killing, clicking, and it's a huge part of this game. Gus scores the next goal. Do either of you guys remember much about that goal? Power play Gus goal? Scored? It was a shot from the point, I remember. Yep. Top, top right or top left foot, right? Yeah, Gus from, Gus, yeah. Gus from Killian. And Bourbonnet. Oh, God. So the second power play. <laughs> Clearly the, the second unit. Well, was Killian playing forward or D at that point? He was playing forward, I believe. No, he was, he yeah. was forward. He yeah. was, Talk he about was that coaching forward. move. Holy hell. <laughs> that, that, was, that was brilliant. It was tactical yeah, it tactically was. brilliant until he got a five-minute major in overtime against Harvard a couple years later. Uh, <laughs> That's going to happen. That's going to happen with Ace. In overtime. He's an emotional uh, Did player. I say it was overtime? <laughs> in, in game well, three? Anyways, anyways right. back, to the, back right. to the goal. I, I, remember, I remember it. I mean, they, that, that power play unit was, was really good. Um, you know, they didn't get, they didn't get a ton of time, you know, all the time, but when they did, they, they created a ton of chances. Um, and, and Gus was, he was always a really talented player offensively and really came into his own, his senior year, our next year, I forget how many points he had, but I think he had close to 20 or over 20 and he could, he was unbelievable. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, that was no surprise. We knew, we knew what he could do and he knew what he could do. And he, he snapped that. It was a great shot. So you go in the third, you know, you go in at the second period ends. You're up two nothing. You're feeling great. You got a power play goal. So far, you shut down their power play, which was everyone one of everyone's keys. With all the first round talent they had in this team, you know, all power play is going to be huge. And then the second period comes. They break through on a power play goal by Nate Schmidt, I think maybe one of the jabronis on their team. And then they score again, and it's two to two with about six minutes left. Did you guys feel like you were hanging on a little bit or? What was the feeling when they break the ice and then they get the second one and the lead is gone and there's still six minutes left in, in regulation? Six-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think they crashed for sure, yeah. I mean, that that was their best period. The third period was their best period. I mean, they outshot you 12-6. to six. They got the two goals, obviously. They got you on your heels a little bit. But, like, okay, they got the goals – That'll happen. They're Minnesota, but what I'm, I guess, most curious about is like, after they get the goals, there's still like six minutes left in regulation. So, like, what do you guys do to 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 fill those six minutes? Like, what's what's the attitude on the bench? Do you feel a little defeated? Do you feel like, oh shit, we had this and now it's gone? Like, I know, I like, I'll be honest. Like, I felt like, oh shit, we had him. Fuck. Like, that's what I was feeling here in Buffalo. It was like, man, we had him. How do we let this? I don't know. Maybe. 
maybe you felt differently, Ken, but I doubt it. I mean, we never, we never panicked. We never doubted ourselves. I mean, I think, again, I'm, one of the things that Keith did so well was you just keep going. You know, you just keep, keep, keep putting the, uh, the foot on the gas, regardless of what the score is. You could be down three goals and needing to score three, or you could be up three and, you know, you just keep, you keep going. And when you're in a tight game, I, mean, I think everybody elevated their game. I and mean, we, we had Anthony dive in front of shots. <laughs> we had Wittick dive in front of shots. We had so many guys that were putting their face in front of pucks and doing the little things, getting the puck out when it needed to get out, getting the puck deep. Um, you know, I think that's, that's what made the team so good. And sure, like I think you know, it's different when you're when you're watching the game versus playing the game. Watching it might look like you know we were hanging on for dear life, and I'm sure there were definitely points during that game that we were. But when you're playing, you're just trying to make the best play every chance you get it. And I I never felt that we were out of control in that game. Um, yeah, they were pressing, and yeah, they were, you know, they had a good run. But that's hockey. You know, we had a good run in the first part of the game, so. Momentum's a part of it. Sure, they could have scored again, but that's why you know you rely on your goalie like Jeff Malcolm to to bring it home. Anything to add, Ken? Yeah, I agree. I just think that the yeah the mindset and culture that that Keith you know establishes you know every year with with our team. I don't think there was like I mean, Ruder said it, and I agree. I don't think there was any seed of doubt at all that we felt you know when they scored two quick ones or whatever it was. However, however quick it was um yeah i just think you know that's what made us a great hockey team and a great locker room great upperclassmen and a great coach like i don't i don't think we ever faltered or wavered from our mindset in our game plan what was the like what was the locker room like that's hockey what was the locker room like in between can you either of you guys like close your eyes and put yourself in that moment at all like what what do you do when you're waiting to play overtime in the national tournament as a four seed against number two overall seed like what is it just an, a regular intermission? Yeah, I think it was a pretty composed atmosphere. Uh, I mean, we were, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think at all um, there was any panic or anything like that. Uh, we were focused, and yeah, it felt like another intermission from my end. What do you yeah. remember about it, Jesse? I just remember being, exa- I just remember being exhausted because <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. it was really hot. <laughs> it was hot in that rink. And, you know, mm-hmm. the way we played, you remember it, Theo, it's just really high tempo every time you're on the ice out working the other team. And Minnesota was big and they were strong and they were fast too. So uh, it was it was a quick pace. But, you know, I think if you had, if you had told us we would be tied 2-2 with Minnesota, you know, the day before, we would have been thrilled and we would have loved that opportunity because we yep. put so much, yeah, we put so much, you know, faith in our conditioning and our strength that, you know, we were, we were going to take it. Um, and so, you know, to be 2-2, I think we all just looked around and said, you know, this is a great opportunity. We've already, you know, we've already exceeded everybody's expectations. Nobody gave us a shot. We're a four seed. We, you know, snuck into the tournament. And here we are with, you know, this, this historic program. We have a chance to beat them in overtime. What a great opportunity. Right, so it's almost like you guys feel like you have them on the ropes, where maybe they feel like, because they got the two goals, I know yeah. that they feel yeah, like yeah, for sure. I right. mean, I, yeah, I think I think they were like, "Holy shit, we're we're tied two two with Yale! Like this this should not be happening." And we had to come back. We had to come back from being down two nothing to you know just tie this game up. And so if you look at it from that way and you frame it uh, from that angle, you say, "What well, you know, 
this game, we're in the driver's seat. All right, so now for the fun part. So intermission ends, and you guys come out. Do you guys say anything to each other before the puck drops? Is there a plan of any kind? I think Ken yelled at me to win one faceoff. So he's I don't b- think I beat you sat on a draw all year. And you didn't win this one. All game. You didn't win this one either, but we'll get to that. What What do you remember about before the puck drop, Ken? Well, this this is kind of a cool story. Um, for whatever reason, I I don't know if it was just me or or what what their wings were doing in general, but but I remember I was getting boxed out like on every faceoff. Like I I had, I, I, I wasn't getting any inside position to help Ritter out. I mean, everyone knows in hockey, it's not all in the center. And the wing draws. The wings got to help. And I remember Red Gendron. Uh, pulled me over to the bench before, and he and he said, "Spin off." Uh, if, you, if you watch the goal, you'll see I spin off on the outside um, after they snapped it back <laughs> on Ruder, <laughs> and and I'll, and I'll never forget Red telling me that. And you know, if, if I try and take inside position, maybe I don't get enough jump or good enough jump to, to pressure that D into you know making a a, a ship pass right. behind the net. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Slow down. Slow down. I'm going to break this but, down. But it's a pretty cool little story that, that Red told me to spin off on that face-off. I'll never forget it, and, and I did it, and it worked out. Do you remember who you were lined up next to? Was it Bucet? Well, he was taking the draw, wasn't he? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, not important. Not an important detail. So you, you guys lose the draw. It goes back into the corner to the left side, and... What are you thinking while you're chasing the puck down, Kenny? Uh, just, you know, I don't know, just the, the standard F1 hunt, you know, put pressure on. Uh, I do remember I, I whacked his shaft in between his hands with, with my stick. I don't know if that's why he turned it over, but I do remember I gave him a whack. Um, and, yeah, and then, you know, I, I was kind of reading that I was going to go D to D and, and uh, you know, went right to me. Right. So now, Jesse, what do you do after the puck? The puck's dropped. It goes the opposite way you were hoping. What are you thinking? Well, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty regular occurrence where I just got beat. <laughs> so Ken, Ken was probably Ken, Ken didn't say it, but he was anticipating a loss. Uh, so he just he and so was Red apparently, where he said it's been off. <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm getting points all night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was just like, I, I just wanted to win the draw. So I put all my energy into winning the draw, and I just got beat so clean. And it goes it, too clean, really, because it went so far. It was like we dumped it into their zone. Right. Um, and and we had we had actually switched four check like a couple weeks before the tournament. And so, like, normally I would have gone and hunted the puck down, and or Ken and I and then Andrew would have filled in behind me, but we switched four checks to one where Ken would go hunt, Andrew would seal off the right wall, and then I would seal off the left wall. And so I just went to the left the left wall um, where that puck was, and then it was going D to D. And so I, I, I just was following the four check. I thought nothing of it, you know right away but at the same time you always knew that kenny had the ability where you know one turnover and you could be in a prime scoring position 
Uh, and he was such a good port checker that you know, he could cause a turnover with two guys uh, just by himself. And so, you, you know, you always had to be aware. That was the fun, you know, the really fun part about playing with him. Something I missed, too, playing with Andrew, Andrew and Kenny. I mean, you always had to be ready. So as the puck was going back, you know, it was going to my spot, but at the same time knew that, that something could come out of this. Now, Ken, you get the puck. You said you hit you hit a stick. He kind of coughs it up. You get the puck. You're coming around the net. You see Reuter there or no? Be honest. Um, I knew he was in. The, I knew he was in that area. I, I don't know if I ever actually looked exactly where he was because it happened so fast. But that's I think called it's the sixth sense. Knowing, knowing that's the that's the palace senses. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually what I was about to say. It was a combination of just knowing he's been in that area and then. You know our, our chemistry that that we've developed o- over that year. Uh, you just you know I, you know when you play with someone, you just you, you know where they're going to be on the ice. And uh, I knew he was he was going to be in that area. And you are and, passing there, right? You're uh, not. It's not just a shitty wraparound that got away from you. That is a pass. no. That was a pass. Okay, so you pass it out in front, and okay, you take take it from here, Jesse. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it surprised me a little bit, but like I said, you had you had to be ready for it. Um, but I didn't really even see him win the puck because it happened so fast. He just he took the puck from him and put it right out front. And my dad always said, if you go to the net with your stick down, and so I had my stick down and I almost missed it. I mean, the goalie goalie almost got a blocker on it because I put it back across him. Um, but but yeah, it ended up going in and kind of blacked out from there. <laughs> it's funny. I sent you guys the video of it, and nobody knows that Jesse scored the goal. Like, the guy's calling the game, and I, I don't know, Jesse, if I, I know I sent it to Kenny, the uh, Minnesota call of it as well. Nobody knew who scored. I it, The guys calling on ESPN sort of were acting like Kenny scored. At home, I can tell you, I thought it was Miller um, at very first, and then by the time you got to the corner, I could tell it was you. But it took them a long time. It took them all the way for you to completely turn around to expose your number before they said your name. You know, they had no clue who scored. And pretty much anyone you ask about this goal, they're, they didn't see it. Minnesota coach didn't see it. You know, guys on their bench. I was reading articles today over and over, quoting, I had taken a sip of water, hadn't sat down yet, didn't see it. You know, um, I asked Anthony about it, obviously. Yeah, I didn't see it. I I wasn't settled on the bench yet, and I was jumping off. You know, it's like it happened that quick. And kind of a funny story for you guys as a spectator. So this is a day game, right? Pretty early, like we talked about the eggs. So uh, Greg and Greg were at the game, but that was it. So most of my family and a lot of our friends came to my house because I was still pretty immobile. So people came to me to watch the game. So when the puck dropped, I'm, I look around the room, and there's about 15 people in the room. When Jesse scored the goal in overtime. I remember you telling me the story. This is pretty cool. When Jesse scores the goal in overtime, I am the only person in the room. There is no <laughs> one else there. They're either gone for the day. They had to go back to work or whatever. You know, They snuck off for a little bit. Or they're in. a few people were in one of the back rooms of my house doing something on the computer or something and didn't get back out in time. I mean, it was literally a packed room where there was nowhere for anyone but me to sit because I had to be, you know, the king because I was injured, you know, so I needed a proper spot. 
But everyone else, define your own spot. I didn't care. And the goal goes in, and I was the only one. No one to high-five, no one to cheer with, you know. And I guess I cheered because people came out and said, what happened? And I was like, we won. So, I don't know, kind of a funny story uh, from my end. But, um, yeah, wow, what a, what a game, what a way to start the tournament. So, that's going to be it, like, for us. But I have a couple of postscript questions for you guys. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't – and you really want to keep the sequence of it and you don't want later spoilers, I guess turn away, right? This will be a a warning because I got a couple of questions for – one for each of you about something that happens later in the tournament. All right? Okay. So we we warned everyone fairly. Wait. Before I get to that, anything else you guys wanted to – to say, like, what's the locker room like after? Just pure jubilation, I think. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable atmosphere to be a part of, right? I mean, but, uh, you know, we were all obviously really excited. And then another thing that, I don't know, it starts with Keith and, and, and our leadership. You know, then, you know, I think after we, we, we handled ourselves pretty well and composed ourselves and realized we got to play another hockey game. You know, we're not done yet. Did you guys watch any of the Niagara and North Dakota game, or did you just get the hell out of there? Uh, I remember I remember watching it uh, back at our hotel, I believe. Right, Ritter? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't stick around and watch. Just started preparing for the next night. All right, so here's what I want to ask you guys, like kind of as a postscript. Okay, so first, Kenny, we have to talk about your 100th point because you have the coolest 100th point in Yale hockey history. But nobody knows it was your 100th point, right? Because it gets overshadowed by the fact that it's on a breakaway goal in the national championship game. But I care about you, so I care that that was your 100th point. Uh, So let's talk about that for a second. Um, Obviously, we're jumping way ahead in the story, but I gave spoiler alert. So tell me about the play because here's what I remember about it. Sitting in my chair and my brother Greg saying – Oh shit! Breakaway and looking up. So take me through the play because I was obviously looking at something uh, else until I locked on and Miller about the blue line. But so take me through your hundredth right. point. Well, I, I remember it was it was, uh, it was one of the Jones brothers. Uh, I think there were he was turning up in our D zone. Um, I don't know if it bounced if it bounced on him or if one of our D poke checked it. Uh, but I was kind of just start, starting to angle and pinch him off on the boards and then and then however the puck got coughed up. Uh, you know, I was able to pick it up in stride and, and I went to the middle and, and I see Andrew and he calls for it. And uh, I, I didn't even re- realize he was behind everyone when I passed that puck. And then, you know, as I, as I, as I'm looking at him going down on a breakaway, I, I mean, I just, you just have all the confidence in the world with him with the puck on his stick. And, it, and I just had a feeling it was going in. Did you have, did you feel like you had him at that moment when that puck goes in? Did you? Did that, you like- yeah, I think I think that third goal was an absolute backbreaker for them and, and a clincher for us. All right, Jesse, I was looking forward to this one. Butcher Grass, who I hate, but that's okay. And Melrose fought over this on the broadcast. You might know what I'm about to ask you. As Paula's here, hey Paula, hey, did you throw your glove or not, or did it fall off? No, I didn't throw my glove. Um, I'm going to blame this one on Jeff Torrey, our equipment manager, because it wasn't my fault. Uh, <laughs> but I needed new gloves, and my gloves were so worn out. 
that I don't know. I was just so excited, uh, you know, being being in my hometown in Pittsburgh, and then you know you're going to win the national championship. I I don't know, just adrenaline rush and club club flew off because it was so so hot and and old and <laughs> worn out. I always had your back on that, but Melrose thinks they should. I appreciate. Yeah, that. Melrose so. thinks they should have given you a penalty there. Yeah. Well. All right. All right, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Barry. <laughs> you know, just, just sorry, just uh, just because it's it's one of my favorite memories of the Frozen Four, and it's it's honestly one of the first things I tell people whenever they whenever I'm talking about a hockey guy or or whatever, and they're asking where that Frozen Four was when we won it, and I say Pittsburgh. One of my favorite memories of the entire tournament, it still gives me goosebumps, and I remember it gave me goosebumps at the time, was the starting line of the National Championship game when when they announced Reuter, and they go from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the place went nuts. It, it was still one of my favorite hockey memories, I think. One of my favorite stories, is a nurse story, I tell you guys about the uh, the Minnesota game. So, I was going to ask you guys about this, but I forgot. Did you guys? Do you guys even know that after the Quinnipiac game, Keith stiffed the media? Like, did you guys know that happened? No, no. Okay, I, I had no idea. So I, I always loved the way he handled himself in the media, though, in general. <laughs> well, on this day, he just did not show up for the presser. He just got on the bus and left. Left him standing there. So they were pissed. And a guy named Ken Schott, who for a, was a longtime beat writer for Union Hockey, was took it personal, was really pissed about it. So he picked Minnesota to beat you guys seven rip because he was mad at Keith. He picked, he printed in his paper in his predictions and tweeted it out that he picked Minnesota to win the game seven nothing. So and I, awesome. I yeah, and I told Anthony that. Like, when I saw it, like I was like, yo, this guy says they're going to beat you seven rip, you know? As, you know, I was trying to pump him up like a brother thing or whatever. And Anthony tweeted him after the game or after the after the season. At some point, he did fight ba- fire back, like, nice pick or something like that. Some smart-ass comment, but, yeah. <laughs> um, And that guy still always refers to Jesse as Jesse Root from Pittsburgh. Like, he tweets that randomly for I still follow him uh to get union news I guess even though he doesn't he he moved to TV or something but um he will as a joke will always tweet that if he can fit it in Jesse Root from Pittsburgh PA cuz Butcher Grass wow, and Melrose really cool. said it like 65 times in you know in in two games but uh okay one last thing and I'll let you guys go cuz we went way longer than I thought but this was fun um the overtime goal, Jesse. Were you not on the rink because you had cramps? Is that why Carson was out there, or is that a fable? No, that's right. I had uh, so I had dislocated my shoulder earlier in the year, and I had to wear a shoulder brace <clears throat> that was basically like a wetsuit. So it was really hot, and it made me sweat <laughs> way too much, and the. Uh, and the rink in Pittsburgh was pretty hot. A lot of those NHL rinks are um, just because they need to uh, take care of the fans. And I was sweating a lot and uh, cramped up for pretty much the second half of the 
the third period. And so I, when I saw it went into overtime, I was like, Oh shit, this isn't good. I'm going to have to have to uh, figure it out. And took like salt tablets and was drinking a ton of Gatorade and ate a banana in between um, the third period and overtime and took a couple shifts and then uh, felt my legs like seize up again. So I got off and as soon as I got off, uh, we scored and Carson went out there and did a great job. Gotcha. Yeah, I'd always heard about that, but I'd never got to ask anyone if that was if that was really true. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was lucky at least from you know my end. I, we probably would have been fine as a team, but you know, I I don't know how if I could have played any longer if overtime kept going. Uh, I just my my legs just shut down. Um, so I ended up getting an IV after the game and and was fine um, for the next whatever the two days later against Quinnipiac. But yeah. And Ken, you're, yeah, you're trailing that play. You want to add anything on that? I mean, it's the other kind of we talk, we got to talk about the one huge goal. That's kind of the other one to point at. Obviously, the overtime winner in the semi national semifinal. What did you see from your vantage point on the ice? Uh, I mean, just uh, <laughs> an unbelievable hockey play by Andrew. I mean, uh, that's just a bit of a hockey play. I mean, you mean a hockey play, right? Um, Change speeds no, on the guy, right? <laughs> if you can go, yeah, forehand, backhand, five hole, right into the bow and arrow shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's just why he's a special player, right? Like that, the the, the poke, you know, in, w- without, you know, losing any speed, I, I think is probably the most incredible part of that play. The way he was able to poke that in the air over the guys, over the D stick. And, and he's one of the best glass. I've ever seen, uh, and it just see he really you know, didn't lose a step. Yeah, he picks up speed when he's gliding. <laughs> right, yeah. it's incredible. Like those, uh, whatever his hollow is with those grass. I don't know how it works, but he doesn't lose speed when he glides, which is just incredible. Well, this was really fun. I feel like we we covered a lot. We dug a lot of we dug a lot out. So this is only part one. So we'll see what Anthony and Balch can bring to the table tomorrow. Well, part two. And uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Jesse. It's really fun. I appreciate it. Anything else you guys want to add about anything? How often do you guys wear your rings? How many times do you think? Less than 10 each? I don't think I've worn it since. Never? Yeah, I don't think I've either. either. Graduation, you didn't wear it? Nothing? I'll look look at it sometimes. But, uh, no, I mean, I don't don't think I've worn it. (sighs) You guys, I get it, but, like, I... You gra- yell graduation day. You gotta wear your ring. You should have wore your ring that day. I know, kind of. You were yeah, a little I, bit. I, I, I know you were a little bit nervous about U.S. history and gout, but you still should have wore your ring that day. <laughs> uh, I honestly, I cherish it so much, and uh, we're gonna test to this. I have a bit of a history of losing things and breaking things, <laughs> uh, and I'm 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 honestly afraid to take it out of the box. <laughs> All right, boys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. I want to thank Kenny and Jesse for doing that with me. It was awesome. 
Again, this is part one of four. And not all of the parts are going to be just players. Uh, today, since we had so much ground to cover with the guys, starting all the way back at Thanksgiving, uh, I wanted to kind of feature them alone. And they did a great job uh, recalling the whole season almost up and through that that game. And they even gave you some postscripts there. As we solved the big mystery between Barry Melrose and uh, John Butchergrass about Jesse Root's glove. Uh, so... Check in the column of Butchergrass, but we will have some uh, surprises along the way. Like I said, tomorrow, well not tomorrow, in a couple days next week, part two will drop, and part two is about the North Dakota game, and we have Anthony Day and Josh Balchon for that. Also, as part of part two, we'll have Chip Malafonte uh, from New Haven Register. I think I screwed up his name. It's Malafonte. Some Italian name. I don't know. You say the R, you don't say the R. Who knows? Uh, we'll get a clarification from Chip on that for part two, but... uh but that's uh, that's part one, and I'm pumped about this project. It's a passion project of mine. I'm out here on my own. I know it's a niche audience. I don't expect to get 30,000 downloads or anything like that. Uh, but the podcast is never about that anyway. I'm just really excited to do something to commemorate the five-year anniversary of uh, of Yale beating Quinnipiac 4 to nothing and becoming the national champion. So that's it for tonight. Like I said, make sure you tune in for part two. Uh, Within the week, Anthony Day and Josh Balch, also Chip from the New Haven Register. We're going to have Andrew Miller, Jeff Malcolm, Mitch Wittick. We're going to get everyone. We're going to get at least one player from every class and hopefully a big surprise at the end. And hopefully all those guys I mentioned are cool uh, with it. We're kind of booking as we as we go from game to game because uh, people's schedules change. But our rough our rough framework of what we want to do here is Anthony and Balch for game two. And we get to the Frozen Four, we have Miller and Wittick for game three. And then the final the championship game, we have Malcolm and we have Gus Young. That's the hope. Uh, if everyone's schedule works out, that should be the schedule. And uh, a big surprise to close it off. And we'll have Chip as we go through as well and I think one or two other voices uh, will be mixed in as we go thanks for listening to part one this means a lot to me thanks a lot to Jesse Root and Kenny Agassino for all the time and uh, we'll be back for part two Face the battle.